Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast, continuing our draft countdown series presented by Verizon. And on today's episode, you're going to hear from Dane Brugler of The Athletic. We went through another draft scenario for the New York Jets. In this case, talking about going offensive tackle at 11, followed by receiver in round two, and then edge corner in round three. And then Olivia Landis caught up with Brian Baldinger, who, of course, He's infamous for his Baldi's breakdowns, and they talk some Jets draft, some Jets free agency. But first things first, EA, in terms of Brugler's draft board, somebody that he thought could be available in round two because of some medical concerns, but would be a quote-unquote steal for the Jets, that's Colorado receiver LaVisca Chenault. Wow, he's a big guy, right, Green? Six foot, 227 pounds. I wonder if he's going to play at 227 on the next level, he led the Buffaloes in receiving the last couple years. And the seventh wide receiver, what, in school history, to eclipse a 1,000-yard mark in a single season. Um, but what comes to mind with him, like a lot of these guys who've dealt with some injuries, is where do teams think of LaVisca Chenault now following his core muscle surgery in March. Did that hurt his stock? And potentially may teams benefit from that because, listen, he might drop just a little bit and you might have find tremendous value there because this dude was a productive receiver out west in the pack. I think it's that's not the case for just Chenault, but every receiver that's been banged up in this pre-draft process. And real quick about Chenault, the thing that stands out to me, 58% of his total receiving yards at Colorado have come after contact. To your point, big dude, 227 pounds, a physical receiver. Here he is, Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Dane, let's take a look at another scenario here, probably the most popular one in the mock draft circuit. That would be the Jets going offensive tackle at 11. And we know about the big four between Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, Tristan Wirfs, and Andrew Thomas. But if you were Joe Douglas and all four guys were on the board at 11, who would you pick for the Jets and why? Personally, I would go with Jedrick Wills from Alabama. I think he's a great fit. Um, he's a mauler in the run game. Uh, uses that natural strength, the heavy hands, where he can just steamroll whatever's in his way. Uh, and then in pass protection, he has the hip flexibility, uh, the feet. He can hold his own. He played in 39 games at Alabama the last three years, gave up one sack. So this is a, a guy with a lot of ability. Um, he's known more as a run blocker, but he also has uh, the movement skills where he can hold up and pass protection. I think – when you look at it, the biggest question might be, can he play on the left side? Uh, dating back to high school, he's been a right tackle only. And so uh, when you look at it in Alabama's scheme, uh, it's it's important to note that he was protecting to his blind side. It's not like they had to pigeonhole him only on the right side because that's only where he could play. Uh, they wanted him uh, at, in that scheme with Tua being a lefty. They wanted him at right tackle to help uh, help there. So it's a little bit of a projection if you're uh, going to put him at left tackle, but all the talent that he has, it suggests he should be able to make that move. Um, and it will be interesting to see if uh, some teams, how they weigh that. Cause you look at Mikai Becton, he has experience left side, right side, same thing with Andrew Thomas who played right tackle as a freshman before taking over for Isaiah Wynn, moving to left tackle the last two years. And then Tristan Wirfs, who was a right tackle, but he only played left ta- or right tackle because the left tackle couldn't. And so they wanted to get the best guys on the field. Uh, and then when the left tackle was hurt, 
Werfs moved over to left tackle and, you know, looked, looked uh, just fine. So uh, he is one, the only one of those big four that really has that position question, but I think he's the best of the group and I would have no problem projecting him at left tackle and, and feeling strongly that he could uh, fill that spot at left tackle just fine. So let me ask you this. If he were in fact a day one starting right tackle for the Jets in this scenario, do you think the 11th pick is too rich for a right tackle? Or do you think, you know what, he's the best offensive lineman, the way the game's going. It doesn't really matter what position you play up front as long as you're a good player. 100%. I don't, people get too caught up with the left tackle, right tackle thing. Uh, you know, a lot of defenses are going to put their best pass rusher uh, against the right tackle. Uh, they're, they're looking for matchups. So that, you know, you have to have your two tackles be uh, very good pass protectors. It's not like it was 25 years ago where you had the more athletic blocker on the left side. You had more of your, your bigger guy, your run blocker on the right side. And that's kind of where you would, uh, filter the run. It's just things are different in today's NFL. And so uh, when Von Miller is going up against your right tackle, uh, you know, you, you can't really make that switch in game. Your left tackle is going to stay there. Your right tackle is going to stay there. You need someone who can hold up. So uh, with a guy like Jedrick Wills, I think you feel com- really comfortable with what he can do at right tackle. But again, I would have no, tr- no problem moving him to the left side and feeling very confident he could hold that down and get better as time goes on. Okay, so in this hypothetical scenario, Jets address tackle in round one and then very popular opinion here going receiver in round two. So who are some guys that you think could be on the board at 48 and who makes sense for the Jets? I'm looking at LaVisca Chenault. I think he's one of the most talented receivers in this draft. Uh, And this could be, you know, the Titans last year got a really good second round value in A.J. Brown. This could be the Jets version of that. Uh, in the second round, uh, he's at his best with the ball in his hands. He can make defenders miss. He accelerates really well. So it throws off pursuit angles uh, and coverage. I think he has a physicality where you can break tackles. Uh, that's kind of the double-edged sword with him, though. Uh, that physicality is a ball carrier. It also leads to more punishment on his body. And that's one of the reasons why he could be available for the Jets in round two is just a durability question. So if he can mature as a route runner uh, and stay healthy, Chenault is going to end up being a steal in the second round uh, due to the versatile package of skills that he offers, the, the natural instincts when the ball is in his hands. I'm a big fan of LaVisca Chenault, and I think that would be a great fit in round two for the Jets. Isn't Chenault another guy that had an iffy combine and doesn't really have an opportunity to prove himself because of the coronavirus pandemic? Yeah, and again, that's why, uh, you know, we talked about in last week's uh, segment how that could uh, hurt a guy like Brian Edwards or Van Jefferson and how they could be available in the third. LaVisca Chenault, a first-round talent. Uh, But why he would be available in the second is because, uh, just like you mentioned, he did run at the combine, didn't run very well. Uh, but he also had a core muscle injury that he had surgery for right after uh, the combine. And so uh, even if the pandemic weren't going on, he probably weren't, wasn't going to be able to work out uh, before uh, the draft. But in, without having the medical rechecks, that is one of, another one of those reasons why, uh, you know, we probably, uh, you know, he could fall to that mid second round range because we won't have uh, necessarily the updated medicals. Now, to agents and players, they can send independent medical information to uh, these teams. But, you know, if you're a team, it's not your medical staff that's looking at them. Uh, You know, you're not looking for the same things. It's you don't know how independent that doctor truly is. And so uh, you have to take it a little bit with a grain of salt and have 
uh, you know, you have to kind of look at it with a, a little bit of apprehension, but uh, there, there's still a lot to glean from that. And I, I think LaVisca Chanel is just too talented to fall too far uh, in the second round. That mid-second round range would be great value there. Dane, so if the Jets go tackle and then receiver in rounds one and two, if you were to probably define the Jets' four needs entering this offseason, you'd say tackle, receiver, edge, cornerback. So if the Jets decide to address the defensive side of the ball in round three, they have two picks in the third round, where would you go? Yeah, and I think you are you look at the corner position, and a guy that really stands out for me in that third-round range, Amik Robertson uh, from Louisiana Tech, uh, he might be the po- the poster prospect for why you just you don't judge a book by its cover. Because uh, just looking at him, standing there on the sidelines, not very impressive. He's 5'8", buck 87. Uh, it doesn't look like much, but the ball skills, the instincts, they're elite. And in three years at La Tech, ridiculous ball production. 48 passes defended. 14 interceptions, and three of those he returned for touchdowns. And his coaches, they speak really highly of his football character. Uh, They call him an igniter uh, on the field and off the field and what he does for that team. The size, I get it. It's going to worry you Um, at times. He's going to maybe give up a little bit too much spacing because he loves to bait throws and try to make plays. Uh, But the ball production, I think it's going to translate to the pro game. Uh, and he can tackle. So you plug him inside. He can compete with Brian Poole. Uh, you let him compete on the outside. He's going to add immediate depth uh, to your cornerback depth chart. So love that fit. If you decide to go uh, look more towards the, the trenches, look on for an edge rusher. Uh, in the third round, Bradley Anai, I think, is really interesting. A guy that did not test overly well at the combine. Not that it was very surprising. Uh, he wins with his first step. He wins with his hands. He's got a lot of savvy to him. Uh, it, there's a lot to like about him as a, and as an edge rusher. And again, talking about third round, uh, you know, he's going to have his warts. There's going to be things that you worry about with him, but uh, the production that he put up at Utah, uh, talking to the PAC 12 blockers, uh, you ask them, uh, you know, who, who is the best pa- uh, offensive tackle you face this year? Who's the best blocker? Uh, more than not, they're going to mention Bradley and I, cause he is just a menace off the edge. So third round range, that, that's great value for him. Two-part question here. One about Robertson. Do you believe that he can play on the outside given his size? And then in terms of an eye, like where has he come the first week of the NFL season? Is he a contributor? Is he a situational pass rusher? And what kind of tools does he bring to a defense? I think Anai is he's going to start as your sub package guy. Um, you bring him off the bench. He's, he's going to play on uh, on in nickel situations. Um, you know, he's going to be part of the rotation. And as he as he uh, works his way into the, that rotation, I think we'll see a snap count increase, um, see more chances to get on the field, maybe in, include a few starts in there. And so you just you, you sprinkle him in and then see how much he can take. Uh, and then with the Meek Robertson, you know, I, I think ideally you're going to play him inside because he has a toughness to do it. He can tackle um, and just the, the short area burst that he offers, I think, can really match up well. But I, I don't think you have to pigeonhole him as only a slot guy. I think he can also play outside. Uh, he's just going to give you that immediate cornerback depth. Uh, and a guy, again, who's smart, he's tough, uh, the energy that he brings and the ball production more than anything, the instincts that he offers. And this is a guy, you know, people look at Law Tech and say, oh, well, he had great production there. He had offers at LSU. He had offers at Texas, uh, but he went to Louisiana Tech. So this is a guy who, uh, even though he doesn't look like much, uh, he plays with a chip on his shoulder and uh, he, he has more than just the production. The film matches up. So I think a Meek Robertson somewhere in that third round uh, would make some sense. So just to recap here, Jedrick Wills at 11, LaVisca Chenault 
at 48. And then the Jets double down on defense with Amik Robertson and Bradley and I in the third round. And Dane, thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Ethan. What do you think about that order and how realistic it is in terms of going receiver in the second round, edge corner in the third round, but up top, you take a tackle at 11. Well, of course, that's realistic. I mean, everything right now, if you're the Jets and you're Joe Douglas, is on the table. And what I keep on going back to in terms of the tackles is, does Joe Douglas have those top four guys ranked very closely together? Because just because one of the pundits or prognosticators say, hey, the Jets have a need there, they got to take tackle. Well, if you're Joe Douglas... You don't take a tackle there unless you think the value is there. The other thing to keep in mind with the tackles, and we continue to talk about this, is where is Josh Jones going to wind up? Where is Austin Jackson going to wind up? And then you just talked to Dane about uh, LaVisca uh, Chenault. Oh, my God, the receivers, the names here is just incredible. I feel like we've been talking about this for so long, but I think that's the way you probably view the draft. Hey, can we get a receiver? Oh, can we get the tackle? Can we get the corner? Can we get the edge? And we'll just see if that plays out that way in terms of those first four picks. Again, how does Joe Douglas have those guys ranked and how is the board going to fall before 11? And is a trade back... I don't want to say a likely scenario, but how much more does it become realistic depending on how the board falls because the Jets could benefit from moving back. It'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out in just under a couple of weeks now. And Olivia caught up with Brian Baldinger, who of course is a chameleon. Like I said, he covers the NFL when it's in season. He covers the draft and really he's known for his Baldy's breakdowns. And here he is, Brian Baldinger of NFL Network. Brian, how are you doing? Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, it's uh, it's a crazy period, obviously, for everybody around the world. We've never experienced anything like this. So, you know, the people that are out there in the front lines helping, they get uh, they get to be the rock stars right now. They, they deserve it. But we do have a draft coming up here in Olivia in just over two weeks, and it's going to happen. And teams, I mean, I love the draft. We all do. And I think America actually wants to really pay attention to what's going on because I think it's the one time of the year where it really gives teams hope if they can get it right. Like I remember, Olivia, three years ago, the Saints drafted, you know, they, they, they drafted uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, and a running back that just happens to be all world, you know, with the first three picks. And it changed their entire fortune. They've been in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs, three straight years in a row. And you can you can look directly at that draft and how they have turned things around. And that's what any team can do if they get it right. Absolutely. And like you mentioned, the draft is coming up only a couple of weeks away. It's still going on. A lot of people at some point were like, is it going to happen? What are the next steps? It is going to be a virtual draft. So the draft is still going on, which means teams are still making that prep. I want to dive a little bit deeper into the Jets specifically, Brian. You have followed the team for a very long time. Joe Douglas in his first year as a general manager for the Jets. When you look at this 2020 draft, even though it's going to be a very different approach this season, what does Joe Douglas need to get done in those three days? 
Well, I think, you know, he, he spoke last week, you know, in, in one of these type of conferences and he was very clear. In fact, it was covered by all of the, you know, the newspapers the following day, but it was very clear that he told Sam Darnold's parents, I'm going to get Sam protected. He's not going to be a sitting duck back there. And I think he did a lot in free agency, as we all know right now, but I think he has a lot more to do. And I think he comes from really two organizations. He spent a year in Chicago, but two organizations in Baltimore and Philadelphia, where he's been a big part of winning Super Bowls. And in both those teams, they had tremendous depth on the, on the offensive line. They invested in the offensive line. They spent resources on the offensive line. When they lost one player, they were replaced by a player of almost near quality. And I think, you know, Joe's looking at this draft and there's some top end offensive tackles and offensive linemen in this draft. And I I think it's going to be hard for Joe to ignore, regardless of what he has already signed both last year and this year in free agency. Brian, you talked about depth. When you look at this draft and some of the positions that the Jets might need to fill holes in, what are going to be some of the most valuable and deep positions for the Jets to take a look at and maybe some of the least valuable and the least amount of depth that they don't really need to take a look at right away? Well, I don't think there's a lot of depth at cornerback in this draft, top-end cornerbacks, you know, guys that come in and make Pro Bowls right away like Marshawn Lattimore. I, I mean, there's, there's maybe two, possibly three, uh, in Akuda out of Ohio State, uh, C.J. Henderson out of Florida, and, you know, Jalen Johnson right now out of Utah. I mean, there's maybe three guys that could go in the first round. That's probably as few as we have seen in a long, long time. And so I think if you want to try to get one of those players right now, you're going to have to spend a top flight first round pick to get them. Um, now, they, they could drop depending on how the quarterbacks go, uh, you know, how a, top, a couple of the top end defensive players go and how some of these top end offensive tackles go. We could see those guys pushing maybe some of the corners down, but corners, there's not a lot of depth. There's tremendous depth and not just depth, but a variety of depth at wide receiver, maybe as wide a variety and as deep a variety as we have ever seen. If you want, you know, if you want slot wide receivers, small, shifty, fast, quick, they have those. If you want big, you know, big game-changing type wide receivers on the outside, we have those. If you want a guy like, you know, a Henry Ruggs that's, you know, as fast as Tyreek Hill, if not faster, game-changer with one touch, there's those type of players. It's as deep a wide receiver draft as we have seen. Now, there are some guys at the very top end of this that are better than others, but it's a very deep draft and wide receivers. It's a good draft for offensive tackles in the first round. It's not a great draft for offensive linemen. If you're looking for interior offensive linemen, um, you know, in the middle rounds, there's just not a lot of depth there right now. So, I mean, wide receiver corner, a shortage. Um, there's some great defensive tackles in this draft, top end defensive tackles. And there's three linebackers that um, are really interesting to study and watch and all the different things that they could do that could be easy first round picks. Brian, you already mentioned free agency. We know that Joe Douglas made a couple of moves to add more players on the offensive line. When you look at the draft, do you believe that he can still add pieces on the offensive line or is it more of a free agency move from here? 
No, I think free agency, you know, I, I think if they, you know, if they lined up and played week one tomorrow, they can line up and play right now. But I think he feels, you know, he, he has coached, and boy, he's been around. I mean, he's been around two Hall of Fame left tackles, you know, and uh, in Baltimore and Jason Peters in, in Philadelphia. And so that's his standard is to have a Hall of Fame left tackle. Now, George Fant will provide, um, you know, he's still very young. He's still raw to a degree, but he's played a lot of games and he's played well, played well against Cleveland last year. Um, did very, very well uh, against some, you know, really marquee players there. But I think, you know, when Joe looks at an offensive line, he's looking at anchoring it with a near or Hall of Fame type player. And there might be, I mean, you can't predict those kind of things before the draft, but there might be those level of players in this draft. And if Joe has a chance of getting one of them, he's not going to turn that down. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Brian, you study the draft a ton. You were already talking about how you and NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah have you know long talks about this draft. Who stands out to you specifically in this draft that might make a good fit for the Jets? Well, I think, you know, Mucky Becton from Louisville, to me, is we just haven't seen a player that size move like that. And just literally, it's you have to orbit the sun to try to get around him to get to the quarterback, and nobody can go through him. He's just too massive. Now, I don't know. I mean, everybody wants to stack basically four offensive tackles. There's basically Becton. There's uh, Jedrick Wills from Alabama. There's Churston Worse from Iowa, you know, and there's uh, Thomas from Georgia. And you can kind of, you know, everybody sort of has a different way of sort of evaluating them and what they're looking at. But to me, Becton is the best of these four. If somehow he is there at number 11 or he's there at nine, I can see the Jets with their eight picks making a move to go get him. I think you plug and play him at left tackle and you just tell Sam Darnold, here's your newest best friend. Get to know him. Go out to dinner, ride to work every day, walk on the practice field. Um, wherever you go, Sam, Beckton's going to go with you. I mean, I, I can see that hap- I can see something like that ha- happening and I can see Joe making a move. But Jedrick Wills is an excellent player. He's, he's the most ready offensive tackle in this draft. He's been excellent at Alabama. He's played right tackle. But he showed everybody that he could play left tackle, I think. And then Churston Wills is a guy that athletically, we just haven't seen many guys at 320 pounds run a 4840 and test and run and jump the way he did at the combine. And you know, when you look at when you look at Iowa and the history of Iowa offensive linemen, I mean, nobody has ever started at Iowa over the last 22 years. As a, as a freshman, and Worfs did. He started week one at Iowa as an 18-year-old freshman. He went up against Nick Boza uh, and, and shut Nick Boza down when he was a freshman. I mean, he's he is an elite talent. I think he's got work to do. He needs still to be coached. Uh, I think there's some things that he can certainly improve upon. But there's three guys there that if you're, they're hanging around at nine and Joe feels like somebody could grab him at 10 or jump in front of him, he might pull the trigger and make the move to go get one and secure one of those players. I have to ask, do you, do you know who your next, who the subject is going to be or what of your next Baldy's breakdown? Or do we have to tune in to see? 
I did one. Uh, I did a couple last night on uh, some college players, Tua Tonga Vailoa. I did one on Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, out of University of Minnesota. I mean, the kid is a phenomenal player. He he stayed healthy for the first time in his college career this year, and he had seven interceptions. He hits everything that moves. He's a great tackler, just like his father. I mean, I think somebody's going to steal him in the second round. He's going to end up being a starting safety in this league for a long time. I did those two, but I, I, I you know, it could be a football uh, type of breakdown. I, I could uh-huh. be, I, I could do something about how the Pelicans are just attacking the fish right here along the shore <laughs> right now, and I could just show you just how the Pelicans are the world's best fishermen. I, I, it really remains to be seen. Whatever hits me, Olivia. That's that's what I really love about Baldy's breakdowns is you never know what you're going to get. You keep us on our toes. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And good luck during this draft. And hopefully we will talk to you soon. I hope so, too, Olivia. I look forward to it. And always, always great to join you. Thank you. EA, perhaps my favorite thing about Baldy's breakdowns is when he takes them and he does them for things that aren't necessarily in terms of football. I know that he's an outdoorsman and he loves going in the water. But he's crazy sometimes. Well, listen, he's a guy who's lived life to his fullest. And I I love Baldy. He's got such a positive way about himself. And he takes advantage of every opportunity that comes his way. Well-traveled man. You know, once we're all, we'll be traveling again, you know that he'll be all over the place. But uh, he breaks down football as well as anybody in the National Football League. That was another edition of the official Jets podcast draft countdown series presented by Verizon. EA and I coming at you next week. The draft just around the corner. EA, have a nice weekend. All right, man. One week away. 